You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning. Good morning. It is morning, right? Okay, great. Pastor Nick, thank you so much for the uh, opportunity to be here. I really appreciate um, this invitation, and I don't take this invitation lightly. Um, I have heard a lot about your church because I know that um, I've actually been following your church from the time that Pastor Nick arrived here. You may not know me, but I know you uh, from way back, and uh, we've, I've been kind of following your story and, and your church's story. It's an incredible story of God's grace and faithfulness, and uh, I'm so privileged and delighted uh, to be here, and so I thank you for the opportunity. Um, Would you turn your Bibles uh, at this time to John chapter 17? We're going to read from verse 20 all the way to verse 26. John chapter 17, verse 20 to verse 26. It says this, John chapter 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity, that the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order the, that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. It's a wonderful prayer of Jesus. We're going to unpack this this morning. Uh, I know we're going to talk about um, the quest for significance and all those wonderful things this morning, and, uh, but let's pray and we'll get to the word, okay? Lord God, we thank you for this morning. I pray that you would... Um, be with us, that your presence would be with us, and that you would speak to us, um, although I'm not worthy to stand here, by your grace and mercy would you speak your word into our hearts. We love you, and I pray that we would draw near to your love, that we may find our significance in you and you alone. We love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I did forget to mention that I do... um, think that Pastor Nick is a very cool dude. And uh, I don't, if you know me, I just don't say things just to say things. If you talk to my staff, they'll tell you, okay? But anyway, uh, so proud of your leadership here and what you're doing, uh, what God is doing in and through you. Um, Whenever I stand up to a congregation like yours, um, a lot of people wonder, what are you? (laughs) Okay, meaning... Um, I see that you're Asian, okay, Um, I'm a bit confused, Um, okay, Uh, I actually grew up in Ghana, West Africa, 
Okay, and so uh, my parents are missionary, so all of my childhood memories are in the uh, western part of Africa. By the way, Africa is not a country, just in case. Um, every time I get on a plane, they talk about Africa by the flight attendants. They, they go, you know, Indonesia, India, Africa. I'm like, Africa is not a country, okay? <laughs> but Africa is very massive. Uh, East Africa, West Africa. When we say Southern Africa, I'm not talking about South Africa, the country. But I was, uh, I was born and raised, uh, actually I was raised in Ghana, West Africa. And uh, so I, we came over to the United States when I was 13. And, um, and you can imagine, um, you know, being grown up in Africa. Africa and coming to the States, you think that people would have confusion about me. But of all the places my parents would go to, they landed in northern New Jersey in a fully Italian town. <laughs> there is no other culture, no other color, just Italians. And I said to my parents, how did we end up here of all places? Remember, I'm 13, middle school, right? You got to think about this for a second. My parents were still in missions work, uh, and so they went to Dominican Republic, and my mom was raising us, and they were kind of going back and forth. We were not well off, and so the shoes that we had to buy was usually an inch bigger because we were growing too fast. You know what I'm talking about? When you don't have money, you buy bigger shoes so that you grow into them, right? And uh, so think about this for a second. Asian kid, grew up in Africa, has African English accent, living with big shoes, walking around awkward in an Italian town in northern New Jersey. Can you imagine that? Let's just say I spent a lot of time eating by myself. <laughs> um, and it's weird because my brother and I had separate, um, separate uh, lunch times. And so we, we ate by ourselves all through the two years that we were there. And of all the places my parents could have taken us after finishing their duty in Dominican Republic, um, they moved us to Washington State of all places. Um, no, not D.C., uh, state, like above Oregon, and, uh, and we were there for, I was there for high school, uh, we were, I was one of two Asian kids in my high school of 600 all white, okay, and uh, so needless to say, I got in a lot of fights, okay, and uh, remember, these are, this is not the 2020, right, this is the 90s, and uh, it, it was just a rough time growing up, and and uh, from there, my parents moved us back to the East Coast. I worked in New York City, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a bit. But, but the reason why I share that with you is because I was always the wrong color and the wrong culture and the wrong accent all throughout my childhood, middle school, high school, college. It's just always been like that. And so I had this longing in my heart for belonging and value that was deep inside of me that I, I had no idea. I was just in survival mode. So I just didn't know that I had these deep voids in my heart of, of, of wanting to belong, wanting to have worth, wanting to have significance because I was always marginalized no matter where I went. I was marginalized in Africa. I was marginalized in New Jersey. I was mar just wherever I went, I was just not not it, right? And so um, I'm not sure about 
your upbringing or how you grew up or maybe even now in your adult life, um, I'm not sure if you are aware perhaps that in each of us, there is a hunger for significance no matter what your journey may be. And I think I love the Tim Keller's quote that said that in every single person, there is a hunger for significance that will never end until it's satisfied by Jesus alone. Let me say that again. There is in each of us a hunger for significance. How many of you are hungry this morning? Um, I'm hungry all the time. I don't know what it is. I just love food, okay? Um, I'm just hungry all the time. Um, But the reality is that if you're like me, hungry all the time, what Tim Keller is saying, that there is in each of us a hunger for significance, a hunger for worth that will never end. It's ongoing. It's, it's, it's a terrible place to be, to be hungry all the time. And what it's saying is your, your hunger for significance will never end until it's satisfied by Christ. I really didn't know that I had these issues until later on in life when I encountered Jesus Christ for the first time in my life and in college. I met Jesus at the University of Valley Forge. Um, But even then, I didn't really know what happened to me. I really didn't understand what this love was because after uh, giving my life to Christ at Valley Forge, I went on to ministry in New York City And uh, I gained a lot of rapid recognition for skill sets and abilities that I've had. And and I'll tell a little bit of that story towards the end of this message. But but I didn't know that I was still seeking, even after becoming born again, even after meeting and encountering Jesus Christ, and and even spending hours and hours uh, praying and and, uh, overwhelmed by the presence of God's love in my life for hours and hours in college, I was still, after that, seeking significance and hungering for people to affirm me, people to say that you belong here, that you're worth something. And I had no idea that this hunger and this seeking would continue on years after until some wonderful mentors and other preachers began to teach me that um, I'm significant not because of what I can do or how I am or even my intelligence or even how I look. But rather, I'm significant because of what Jesus has done on that cross until people actually began to articulate for me what this meant for me. And so today, I want to just take a moment to talk to you about what the Scripture talks about when it comes to how God thinks about you, how God thinks about you. And we read in this Scripture, John 17, verse 20 to verse 26, some, this is one of the most marvelous Scripture, by the way, um, I I don't say that with my students because um, all scripture is God-breathed and marvelous to gaze upon and meditate upon. Amen? All right. But occasionally there are some truth that comes across when you're reading the text. You just have to kind of sit, meditate, think about, and allow the Spirit of God to, to move upon that scripture or manifest that scripture into your heart. And uh, this is one of those scriptures you just don't want to glance over. Um, let me set this up for you. Uh, Jesus in his, is in his last days on earth. 
And he's literally journeying towards Jerusalem and the cross. This is one of five final days. And so Jesus is now actually taking a moment to pray. Okay? And when Jesus is praying, you, we want to pay attention, right? You want to you listen in. How many of you know that you can hear a lot of people's theology? Okay, theology is basically um, understanding of God. Ology is study of or understanding of, and theo is God, right? So it's, theology is just fancy way of saying understanding God or study of God, right? And so uh, how many of you, when you listen in conversation with people, how many of you heard conversation? We shouldn't be eavesdropping, but when you hear people's conversation, you can actually hear, understand a lot about how they think. You know what I'm talking about, right? And you can actually also find out a lot about how they think about God when they're praying. When they're all, like, I know some people, when they pray, all they're praying is about their children, or all they're praying is about provision. All they're praying is about, you know, some God opening some doors at the job. Or Those are not bad prayers. It's just that you get to look into their heart by the words being spoken. And one of the mag- most magnificent, magnificent things that you can see f- through this conversation of Jesus with God is you get to begin to see how Jesus feels about you and how Jesus feels about us. There, there are two or three things that are really, really significantly important. Number one, it says, Father, as you and I are one, may they be one with us. Hmm. Okay, Jesus is praying. And by the way, this is not praying just for the disciples. It, it sets it up, right? Jesus is praying for all those who will hear the message through the disciples. That's, who is that? That's you and me. It's us who have come to know Jesus through the words of the disciples. And so Jesus is actually praying for you and praying for me. And one of the first things that Jesus says is, may these disciples that's going to come to know us through the message of the side. May they be one with us. Hmm. I'm thinking about this for a second. I'm like, okay, Jesus, do you know who you are? <laughs> okay, I'm like, God, you're the God of the universe. Okay, do you know how large this universe is? Okay, um, how many of you know the, the speed of light? It's a, it's a little over 182,000 miles per second speed of light, right? And it would take hundreds of millions of years in light year speed for one of the larger galaxies for you to go across, just one. There's about, I don't know, they say known galaxies would be like 200 billion maybe, some scientists said the unknowns could be trillions of galaxies, okay? Um, 182,000 miles per second, okay? It's incredibly grand, this universe. And we know that this God of the universe spoke the world into being, right? And you know that the love of the Father and the love of Jesus for one another is perfect union, Perfect love, 
There is no love like, I mean, I have four children. You maybe could be, you might be surprised. I have four children, and I love my kids. Uh, one of them uh, is actually uh, just entered Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh. <sighs> she didn't come to Valley Fort. I'm still crying about it, but there's no point in crying about it. Uh, she said that you are my grade school principal. You're not going to be my college president. And uh, it's true. I was their principal in their grade school, and there was no way, there was no chance that I was going to be college president. I love, I spent all day yesterday with her. And uh, Pastor Nick, thank you for inviting me to church. I got to see my daughter, and it was just awesome to spend uh, time with her, but my love for my daughters and my son doesn't even, like, it's incomparable to the love of the father and the love of the son and the perfect union of this triune God. It's not even, you can't even fathom it. You can't even imagine it, right? And yet, this God who created the universe whose perfect union, says, the way that we love each other and that we are united, he says, may they be one with us. I'm just like, what are you talking about, Jesus? We get to be in fellowship with you the way that, Jesus, you're in fellowship with God? How crazy is that? It goes even further. It says, not only may they be one with us, it says, may the glory, this is the crazy part, may the glory that you've given me I now give to them. May the glory that you've given me, now I give to them. We're talking about Jesus, the king of the universe, right? We're talking about the glory that's bestowed on him. The creator of the universe, Jesus Christ, came to a humble manger, lived a perfect life, ministered, died on the cross, resurrected, ascended, and seated on the right hand of God with all his might and his glory in perfect union with Christ. And this glory that belongs to Jesus Christ, Jesus says, now this glory, Father, that you have given me, I am now giving this glory to them. Okay, you're like, what? How is that possible? Okay. I want to be very absolutely clear about this. That this invitation to the union with Christ, this glory that Jesus has given us, is not possible bypassing the cross. It is only possible because Jesus paid the price of our sins so that we can be reconciled to Christ. It says in Scripture that the gospel is the power to bring salvation. The gospel is basically good news. What is good news? Good news is all of his merits. It's kind of like a general going out to battle, right? But when the general goes out to the battle and conquers the oppressor, the, you know, or whether to defend or to conquer, whatever it is, Back then, they didn't have text message to send to their communities, right? So they actually had to put somebody on a horse when they were, became victorious. They had to put somebody on a horse, bring them back to their nation, go from town to town. And by the proclamation of the good news of the victory of the general, 
His victory became their victory. Are you with me? So what Jesus did for us on that cross, his death and resurrection, he took on our iniquities, and the wrath of God came upon his shoulders. And if you invite me back, Pastor Nick, that we're going to go really delve into that. This is so crucially important, is that the wrath of God came upon the shoulders of Jesus, taking our place, our iniquities, were washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, that he took on our sin. You know how when you somebody offends, you want to get them for justice? He took on the justice of the world. He took on the wrath, and he went to the cross and paid the price for you and for me. And it is through that act of love, of laying down his life, he alone has the authority to say, now you have been reconciled to my Father through me. So the invitation is, you can be in union with us because of what I've done. So when Jesus, when God sees us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. When God sees us, he sees the righteousness, the majesty, glory. And so therefore, because Christ's righteousness became our righteousness, we get to be recipients of the inheritance of what belongs to Jesus. Oh my goodness. Is this awesome or what? This is good news. This is indeed good news. This is why we want to shout it from the rooftop. Do you know who you are? Do you know that you've been bought with a price? Do you think, by the way, some of you are like, this president from Valley Forge, eh, he's all right. Okay, right now, you're thinking, some of you, I don't care. (laughs) I'm a child of God. I'm a son of... The glory of Christ has been given to me. You think I'm going to care about your opinion about who I am? Did I tell you? I'm the son of God. The glory that was bestowed upon Jesus is now given to me. I'm going to be honest with you. Because I grew up longing for significance, when I went to the organization in New York City, Man, I had a lot of success in the eyes of the world at a young age. You know, how many of you know when there's trouble when you begin to begin your, uh, believe your own press? Okay, my, my wife was getting very concerned in 10 years because we were a pretty large organization, a global organization. We were building schools all over the world. Man, I thought I was a hot shot, okay? I don't have time to go into it today, but I was in a major car accident in the mission field in 2013, January 7th. And I had to be taken off the field. All my dreams, visions, position, money, everything was lost in that car accident. I actually lost my eye in that car accident. So this right eye that you're seeing is not my real eye. It's a prosthetic eye. I threw screws in my cheekbones. I literally lost everything in that car accident. And I remember coming back to the U.S. defeated with my family, and I had to make a living, right? And so um, I remember taking on a job consulting with Dan McNaughton, and, uh, and eventually I took on a position with, uh, with one of the churches in New Jersey. Um, it's not a small church. It's a pretty nice-sized church. At that time, it was 500, 600 people. But remember, I came from a church of 5,000 just in a local church, and we had a global wing. And basically, I was the right-hand man, so I was basically in charge of Disney World. And then I was 
coming here as a staff pastor, and I couldn't even get volunteers to stuff a new introduction of a connection card. So I remember sitting there with my three daughters one night, having lost everything, sitting there stuffing the bulletin, and I remember asking God with trying to recover from that accident. I remember asking with tears rolling down my eyes. I said, God, what happened? (laughs) What's going on? And uh, I remember, you know, I'm not one of those who hear audibly, but I remember specifically hearing like almost an audible voice from God and Jesus asking me this question. Am I enough for you? Am I enough for you? And with tears rolling down my eyes, I said, Jesus, of course you're enough for me. If you want me to clean toilet for the rest of my life, I can do that. Whatever you ask me to do, I can do that. Why? Because, Jesus, you laid down your life for me so that I can be your child. Your glory is given to me. Because you laid down your life for me, I can lay down my life for you. Because you love me, I can love you. Because you found me precious by the blood of Jesus Christ, I can say to you, Jesus, you are more precious than anything in in life because you laid it down for me. This morning, what I want to say in conclusion is that our significance, and you know this, our significance doesn't come from our accomplishments and accolades of this world because everything is fleeting here. There's nothing that you can take to eternity with you. It's not based on how you appear. It doesn't, it's not based on whether you have a wonderful position or title. It's not based on how much money you have the bank, in the bank account. It's not even based on what kind of position you have in the church. Here's the crazy part. Pastor Nick, I was serving the church. Here's the crazy part. If our hunger isn't satisfied by Christ alone, you're going to use ministry for significance. Uh-oh. That's the crazy, I was actually, for the first 10 years of my ministry, I was using my success in ministry to satisfy my significance. How sick is that? To use ministry for selfish reasons. Oh my goodness. This is why it's so important to reconcile this issue of significance with the Lord, to know that Christ died for you while you were yet sinners, that Jesus invites you to his table, that we are one with Christ, that the glory of God is now given to you and to me through Jesus Christ laying down his life for you. We are children of the living God, sons and daughters of the living God. I don't care what you think of me because what Jesus thinks of me is I'm his child. I'm, I belong to him. Let's all stand together. We don't have time to do anything else, but I do want maybe just to, to, for you to play in the background. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Would you just take a moment right now, maybe open your hands in front of you, only if you want to, okay? Only if you want to. To just say this to Jesus right now, to say, Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you that you love me, that you would invite me to your table. Who am I? Who am I that you would invite me to your table, that you would want a fellowship with me? 
that you would bestow your glory upon me. How? How is that possible? I want you to just begin to dialogue with God and say, Lord, if you are, how magnificent and majestic is your glory and you're giving that to me? How is that possible? Would you just begin to surrender your heart to God and say, because you laid down your life for me, I want to lay down my life for you. Would you satisfy my hunger for significance today? Jesus, would you satisfy my hunger for worth today? That my worth, my significance doesn't come from anywhere else but you, Jesus. Would you do that right now? Just take a moment to do that. conversation with God as we just heard. I encourage you if you're maybe never taking the step to follow Jesus and this is that first time here. God, I want to find my significance and you'll love that question. Am I enough? Is Christ enough for you? If your answer is, is no and you want to make that right, that surrendering to Jesus isn't some magic prayer or some huge thing you have to do. It's simply what you just did. Saying, Christ, I surrender everything to you and you become a source of my significance. If you've made that step and you're ready to do that, I'd encourage you, we want to resource your journey. We want to help you on that journey that you don't have to walk that journey alone. That's why we're here today or right now, whenever, whether you're watching online or or in in the room. If you text new to Jesus to 55498, we want to help resource that journey, help you continue that journey. And we're going to pray here, but I would encourage you this not to be the last time you pray that prayer. The last time you you offer that question, is God enough for me? That's a question that we should ask every day. Is God enough for me? I love what Pastor Jason mentioned earlier, the promises of God are so true. We stand upon those every day. Start by asking, is God enough? Because if he's not, if he's not, everything else is going to fall apart. When he is enough, when your significance is in him, it centers everything in the order that it should. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done. Jesus, that we are so undeserving of. That you gave your life for us. You took our place. You paid our price. Lord, I pray as we go about our lives this week that with family and friends tomorrow or at work or, or, or to school, wherever we might go or whatever is before us, Lord, I pray, God, that we can live our lives from a place of significance. Lord, that we recognize what we do, what we accomplish, the titles we carry, that, that those are simply fleeting, but ultimately our significance is in the one thing that is lasting, that is you. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you for loving us even when we were unlovable. Jesus, let us live our lives with a source of confidence in you because you are our foundation. You provide our significance. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. 
At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 